Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Hey everyone, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast. As Eric McLean is looking like a cheerleader over there, uh, we are very excited to dive in to today's episode. We only have three more season previews left, and really, it's the three teams, especially with the Sam Hartman injury news, the three teams that most people truly think can win this league. We've got NC State, we've got Clemson, and we've got Pitt. Today, it's all Wolfpack. Mac, we're talking defense. We're talking Devin Leary. There's a lot to get into with NC State. Come on, KG. Yeah, we are. I'm, I'm jacked up for this episode. was just hanging out with the Wolfpack a, a couple of days ago and got to see those guys up close and personal. A lot to be excited about. Uh, a lot for us to discuss on the other side of this Coach Dave Dorn interview. Uh, so let's get to that first, and then we'll talk about the Wolfpack. Here we go. Coach, welcome into the podcast. Really appreciate you joining us today. You bet. Thanks for having me. Listen, it's summertime. I know you are a big-time fishing guy. Uh, so have you been able to go on any trips, or do you have any uh, on the horizon? Because I know that's, that's important to you. Yeah, I went out uh, last week with our line coach. We caught some bass, and uh, next week I'm going up in the mountains fly fishing with some friends. Um, really excited about that. Actually, was talking to the guide last night. So then I got a July Montana fishing trip with my sons. So uh, yeah, we're hitting the water, <laughs> getting there when we can. Coach, I feel like I know how your wife feels about all this because my husband is a huge fisherman, angler, whatever the correct term is. <laughs> so I totally get it. Do you have, like when someone says, okay, tell me your best fishing story or maybe the biggest fish you caught or whatever, do you have a story that you love to tell? Yeah, I mean, I have one that's pretty unique just because I was uh, I caught it in North Carolina actually when I was coaching in Kansas. So it's kind of weird, but uh, fly fishing trip to Asheville, North Carolina, had never been in the state my entire life, and uh, and went out fly fishing with a guide. And I didn't know him, and uh, went out the first day and caught a bunch of fish. And he said, "What do you want to do tomorrow?" I said, "I, I don't want to catch a bunch of fish. I want to catch a big fish." And uh, so he took me to a spot on the South Holston River. It's kind of in the Tennessee North Carolina border, and it's a <clears throat> a river that you know brings water in and out throughout the day through their dam. And so we got in, you know, 8 or 9 a.m., and, and he said we have till 3 p.m., and then, you know, they're going to let the water out. We can't be in the water. We were waiting. We weren't floating the river that day. And we walked up on a giant, like, bowl just full of gigantic fish. And he said we fish at these at times, and usually they don't bite. There's a lot of pressure on them. And, and so, you know, about an hour in, I got probably a 22-inch brown trout on there, and, and uh, I was excited. I thought it was a huge fish, and... He said, you probably won't catch another fish the rest of the day, which was disappointing to hear because, you know, an hour in. But uh, it was about 1.30. We just had lunch, and um, all of a sudden I got a hit, and it was a pig. It was huge. Um, and it took me an hour, and I was walking up and down the river and steering it through, you know, wow. not letting it go in the brush. And he was coaching me the whole time, Hey, you know, left, right, left, right. And, and then, you know, 
water started climbing, you know, up my uh, waders. And he said, you got about 30 minutes and then you're going to drown <laughs> in the water. Uh, oh my God. And so we got it over to the side and you could see it. It was really a, a beautiful brown. And as I went to lift it to the net, the line came off. And so he dove on top of this fish, my guide, and grabbed it and stood up like he had won the Super Bowl trophy, you know, <laughs> screaming at the top of his lungs, yelling at it, cursing at it. And I was just, you know, I was tired and laughing. I didn't realize at the time it was a 30-inch brown. It was, it was wow. a beautiful fish. Ended up being a, a, a record fish um, caught on, you know, what oh we were gosh. using, real small fly. Wow. I don't know if the record still holds, but I was in a book for a while because of the Nice. Cup. That's right. Yeah, I might need that cool. guide's number for, yeah. for Nick. He's going to want that guide's number. In terms of diving on the fish, comparing it to diving on a football, would you have given him a decent grade? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a 10 plus. That guy. There we go. Yeah. Pretty neat. <laughs> That's you know, awesome. His dad, uh, this guy named Drake Whitlock, his dad, they owned the Hunter Banks fly fishing uh, outfitter there in Asheville forever. And son, Teo, who I went with, was young at the time. He, he's been on that water since he was tiny. So, I mean, he knew everything in the water. It's pretty cool. Wow. That, that's incredible. Yeah. Coach, has fishing just, has it always been your thing? Is Has it been kind of a, a release for you? Because it's funny, I, I reflect back on my childhood and, and fishing was kind of ruined. My grandfather kind of ruined fishing for me because we went to, you know, like this fish farm. You, I'm, I'm a kid, <laughs> like I can barely walk. I drop the, the rod down. Pick it up, fish. There it is. And, and so then when I get to, you know, close to being a teenager, he's like, all right, we're going to go real fishing now. I'm like, whoa, hold on. What's real fishing? So has that kind of been something that you just always have done or did you find an affinity for it as you've gotten older? You know, when I was little, my grandfather lived on a lake and uh, we'd go stay with him at times in the summers. And uh, he taught me how to fish. Just And at that time I was using hot dog skin and catching bluegill, you know, off his dock. Um, and just loved it. You know, I did it all the time by myself and spent a lot of hours on the dock and he'd come down and check on me. And uh, since then, I've always had, you know, just the desire to be on the water. The water's pretty calming for me and uh, really don't care if I'm on the salt water or a lake or river. It's just it's definitely something I like to do. I love it, Coach. It's it's so peaceful. And I know as being a, a football coach and a brilliant mind like yourself, there's times where you just you have to unplug and you have to disconnect. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't know if you've gotten a lot of that this offseason because this has been it's been a little crazy. We, we were kind of doing a, a yeah. summer guest or we did a summer guest uh, kind of tour here on this podcast. And we asked each and every guest, you know, who's who's your favorite to win the Atlantic and the Coastal? Coach, you guys have been mentioned almost every time. It, it seems like there is a lot of expectation from the outside world uh, just for what this NC State you know, Wolfpack team is going to be able to do this year. So before we really you know, jump into the nitty-gritty of the team, what has this offseason been like for you from that aspect and, and maybe hearing a little bit uh, more, than, more than normal? Well, it started with uh, talking about expectations um, and just – the team did a great job. We recognized in January, like, what are the things that could stop us? Um, and, you know, one of it's just listening too much to what's being said and understanding that we didn't win a championship last year. You know, we're just a team that was in it and had a good season, but we haven't, you know, reached our, our goals. You know, obviously we were cut short in a bowl game, which left a sting. And it's a team that's very uh, – I guess you would say bitter and, and angry and, and wants to prove themselves still, you know. So 
we had to kind of get on the same page with, you know, I guess enjoying what people are saying about you, but not letting it motivate, you know, kind of where we're at. Uh, the motivation is winning the championship, and, and we know that we have to take care of business every day to do that. I read an article by Nicole Auerbach. We actually had her on. Uh, she was one of the people that picked NC State. I know she had a big feature on Devin Leary. And you mentioned how, look, you can have one good year, but it's really that second year. It's putting two years together that can separate you. Has that been another message for your team? And, and what is it going to take to do that? Yeah, you know, I mean, we've had back-to-back -back good seasons before. I think sometimes people forget, you know, we, we went – uh, we have back-to-back nine-win seasons within the last five years, so it's not like we're new to the scene. I, I think what happened in this this conference for all of us, you know, with COVID and the way things changed and the schedule even changed, people kind of forgot where we were. Um, we had a bad season in the middle of it. But, yeah, as a player, and, and my conversation with Nicole was mostly about Devin, um, it seems like at our school, for whatever reason, um, Peyton Wilson's another example. Peyton led the conference in tackles a couple years ago and, and was left off of some lists, you know, and we felt like that doesn't make sense. You know, how can a guy that has more tackles than any other player not be the number one linebacker from a recognition standpoint? Same thing happened with Devin. And, and not to discount the other quarterbacks, our league, as you guys know, had a lot of good quarterback play in it last year. But Devin had it with a, a better record than some of them, and they still got higher accolades, which didn't make sense. To me, the, the biggest record you have as a quarterback is D-Win. You know, um, his 35 touchdowns and five interceptions are outstanding, but he also was a winner and won more than most of the guys. So for Devin and for Peyton, I think having, you know, that kind of year and then the next year puts you, you know, in a different place. Right now they're on all the lists because of that one year of, of – play you know other players in our league for whatever reason can have one great season and, and they're getting more accolades than our guys do so it's just you know another chip on the shoulder for these kids and i love to to just when you talk with them uh they, they just echo everything you say coach and i think that speaks to your leadership and and just the mindset that this team has but i reflect when on when we spoke with devin last year and just said you know you're not getting this love you're not getting this and that he said It'll all take care of itself. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. And I thought that was you know, really cool of him and very mature of him. Um, when I look at Devin specifically, man, I, I just think he can take a really big step this year in, in, in production and things that he can do. What I saw from you know year one as a starter to year two now, what I expect from him you know, really in year three as being the guy and, and being with the same coordinator and how important that is in the same scheme the, the sky is going to be the limit. I mean, I think it's going to be a monumentous step for him. What are your expectations or expectations for Devin Leary, you know, this year? You know, I hope he just picks up where he left off. I mean, you know, like I said, I think the guy did a great job a year ago. He, he gave us a chance to win every game. And um, if he can just keep doing that, you know, taking care of the football, giving his receivers and Guys, he's throwing to a chance to make plays. They, you know, it's as you know, it's not just on him. You know, he needs the protection up front. He needs the guys to make the catches and the runs, and it's you know going to be a collective thing that makes Devin look good, not just his arm strength and talent. So there's going to have to be a lot of guys involved in that to improve what he did a year ago. And, and I think the cool thing about him right now is he's just in a better headspace than he was. Even last year, he was trying to prove himself because the year before, 
he went through what you guys know, you know, losing the job to COVID really, um, mm-hmm. and then getting it back and then breaking his leg, you know. So last year was kind of, hey, I got to show you that I'm that guy, and now he doesn't. He just has to play ball. And so there's a little less pressure on him internally maybe because of that, um, even though it's been replaced with the external. I think when we, you know, when we want quarterbacks to become bigger stars or get more recognition, sometimes we need to know a little bit more about them off the field. Can you give us something else about Devin Lear? We know he's a great leader. We know he's a worker. Uh, we know he's tough as nails. But give us another story. Give us something else about Devin Lear that we need to know. Mm. He's, you know, he's uh, from Jersey. Yeah, he would call himself Jersey Tough. Um, he's got a great family. His brother, you know, just signed with Illinois. Uh, parents are, are incredibly behind the scenes, just really supportive uh, uh, of Devin. Um, there are some quarterback parents out there that maybe <laughs> can be problematic at times. And, and I, you know, as much as we give Devin credit for fighting through all the things he's fought through, I think his parents deserve some of that for helping him fight through it. You know, because it wasn't an easy, you know, path to get to where he is. And, and very, uh, a lot of that was out of his control, you know. And I think he deserves a lot of kudos for that. If you look at what happens in the landscape of college football right now at the quarterback position, a lot of guys would have left NC State if they were Devin Leary. Yeah. Um, you know, he had to wait his turn. He had to sit behind Ryan Finley, you know, and then he lost the quarterback competition. And then he ended up winning that job that year. And then he, beat out Bailey Hockman and he breaks his leg, you know, and then he comes back and there was a lot going on there for that guy. And um, to his credit, his parents have been a part of that, you know, and and so it's really unique. Um, Outside of that, you know, it's just the day in, day out, the the non-glamorous way he goes about being a quarterback. He is who he is. And, and, I like that about him, and it's a really good fit for NC State, the blue-collar mentality that our, our program and our school has. Devin Leary is a really good centerpiece of that. No doubt. I think he's a good fit with you, too, Coach, is the, the vibe yeah. I get as well. Um, yeah. Okay, let's yeah. talk defense. Mac and I can be a little offensive-minded. I was an <laughs> offensive-minded basketball player, we'll put it that way, and Mac, of course, played offensive line. So let's talk a little defense. This linebacking core, Mac and I have been saying it. If they can stay healthy, which you know is a big if, but – this is going to be the best linebacking core in the country. And when you look at Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, and Drake Thomas, what do you make of this linebacking core? I mean, how excited are you when you see these guys in practice and what they can do this season? Yeah. I mean, you know, that was my position that I coached before I was a head coach. And, and so I, I love watching those guys, man. They're, they're violent. Um, they run to the football. They have good vision. They're leaders, which that position is the quarterback type position on defense. And so all three of them, are unique in their own way and how they play. Isaiah is a bruiser. He's a downhill guy. Uh, he's without a doubt the alpha uh, of our football team on defense. You know, Drake has risen as a leader with Isaiah and Peyton's absence last year. He really took the next step. I think he's one of the best football players pound for pound in our league, definitely on our team. If you look at how he played outside backer and then moved to Mike and the tackles he made against Louisville in the open field, I mean, the guy's really a, a unique player. Um, and then Peyton, you know, I think he's old school, uh, super athletic, championship wrestler, overcome a lot of adversity. And, and when you watch those three guys play, they feed off of each other, and, and they are mean. 
you know, and, and so just having that kind of group, it's fun for me because that's my that's my bread and butter, and just love watching them. And, and there's been some guys underneath them that have really emerged here, you know, younger players that we're excited about. So it's a group, you know, with I hope the three of them together that could make some waves in college football. Coach, they're just they're so impressive to watch, and and you know we were with you at camp last year early in the process, and just to see the way that. I mean, they almost communicated with telekinesis. They just knew where everybody was going, what the what the the attack nice word, was. Nice Mac. Okay. Yeah, come on. I, I learned like a couple. Clemson I learned education. a couple at school. That's right. I learned a couple. Um, but I think when when you just see that and and knowing what they can do when you see that, but I want to talk about how cool it was to see the progression of of how you know. Okay, we we talk about it. It's Peyton. He's He's kind of the guy, and then he goes down, and Isaiah already the alpha steps up, and then he goes down. And then Drake is is in this very interesting spot of where he probably likes to be more of a lead by example guy. Now he's got to be the guy, and he stepped up flawlessly. You talk about pound for pound, you know, one of the best players in the conference. I'd say probably the country yeah. with what he can do. Just what was that? I guess process like? Did you have to have a sit down, or did it just happen where he said, "I I've got to do this." You know, Drake comes from a football family. His dad, Trevor, played at Marshall. As you know, Thayer's here, um, and the youngest is uh, now a recruit for us. Um, he knew exactly what he needed to do. And, and, yes, I did sit down with him, but it wasn't a, hey, you need to do this. It was like, you know what's going to happen. He's like, coach, I'm ready. And so, you know, it was already in place. And Tony Gibson does a great job with those guys, you know, and, our strength coach, D'Antonio Burnett, is the second time, second leading tackler in school history, you know, so he's a linebacker as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of guys here that are kind of around him that help with that, but Drake's different. He's different. You get around him, you'll see it right away. I mean, <laughs> it's all business now. Coach, okay, we always hear about, I'm going to go big picture here, we always hear about the SEC West, and what a what a you know grinder that is. We always hear about the Big Ten East and talk about Ohio State, Michigan, whatever. Can we talk about the ACC Atlantic for a second? Because yeah. this year specifically, NC State, Clemson, you've got Wake Forest coming back off of their season they had last year with Sam Hartman at 50 touchdowns. Florida State, what they're going to look like. Malik Cunningham at Louisville. You can never take Louisville lightly. What kind of challenge is the ACC Atlantic going to be this year? And how do you think people should be talking about the Atlantic? Yeah, all seven schools in the Atlantic return their quarterback, you know, and so as, as a head coach on a team that has your quarterback back, you're focusing on other things, which allows you, in my opinion, to grow your team differently. Uh, when, when you don't know who your quarterback is, everything is about figuring that out, and, and that takes away from some of the other things that you might be worried about you know, so for all seven of us, I think is good. Uh, the parity that, that that sits there, you're going to see seven better teams than you think, in my opinion, because we're all done with our quarterback position. And so, yeah, I think nationally there should be a lot of talk about the Atlantic, not just because of what's coming back, but because of what we've done. You know, since I've been in this league, Clemson or Florida State has been right there, you know, um, knocking on the door with a seat at the table. And so, this league should be getting that kind of you know, communication nationally for whatever reason, you know, our, our, our conference has not, and, and hopefully we can change that. 
No, I don't think there's any question. This this year in particular can can certainly help. And and you mentioned you know having seven quarterbacks back in this division, how important that's going to be. And Mac, I, I didn't want even so. say Boston College. I feel terrible now. Yeah, I mean, Phil Jerk yeah. and Zay good. Flowers. <laughs> that's right. Excuse me. And Sean Tucker at, at Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, you, at, at the running back position, you, it's really it's a deep deep division and and has a lot of star power. That that's going to be fun to watch, Coach. I thought what you just said there that was very intriguing and really, you know, kind of microscope with, with you guys and the fact that, okay, we've got our quarterback, we're good there. We pretty much have our defense, we're good there as well. Three pieces that I don't want to call it question mark because I don't want to have a negative connotation, but points of emphasis I would say is, number one, you, you lose a great receiver in Emeka Mezzi. Still think you have a great room, but certainly others are going to have to step up there. You lose two really, you know, powerful, strong, fast running backs, to the NFL draft, and then of course, and and I think all three of us opinions here on on the the show, uh, the best offensive lineman, uh, one of the best in the country, and Big Icky. So really, three key spots that that are just going to be new faces. What, what yeah. do you really hope to see from individually? And we can dive in a little bit here on on each three rooms. Yeah, I think you know on the O line, just starting there. Um, I mean, you can't just replace Icky. You know, I mean, he was the number, first offensive player taken in the NFL draft, so. Uh, we feel good about um, Anthony Belton, who we have, uh, who was behind Icky a year ago. He had a really good spring, and he's in very good condition. He's big. He's long. He knows our, our system. He's very motivated. So we feel good about him. The other four linemen are back, and so are the rotational players we had um, on the O-line. You know, tailback Jordan Houston, similar to Devin Leary, he waited his turn and, and played a lot And as a true freshman the year that we had a lot of injuries. So he's not – from our standpoint, a new starter. He's a guy that we've played with and used and has been functional and in some ways has made some plays. He's been a really good special teams player, blocked a punt for a touchdown last year against UNC. He's ready. Um, and we have a young man that uh, is going to be, in my opinion, someone that's big on the scene of college football uh, and Demi Sumo. You know, Demi's very, very different. And so he fits kind of what we do. He's tough. He's, he's one of the faster players we have on our team. So as long as he can stay healthy, he's a guy that could help that run tremendously. What do you what do you mean different? Just like freaky, freaky athlete or? You know, you he uh, he has the, the ability to be in protection as a 220-pound guy, but he's a home run guy speed-wise. Um, and, and so, you know, kind of the, the three tools, I guess you would say. In, in the past, we've had some guys, like when we had Naheem and Reggie Gillespie, we had a uh, you know, first down, second down, third and long guy, and Reggie was a protection hammerhead. You know, um, Demi's really got every tool other than experience, you know, and that's where we got to get him experienced, you know, and, and he's got to be able to protect and pick up blitzes, but he has the body type that can do anything in the backfield. And so we're hopeful that we can get that experience for him. You know, uh, a receiver – Devin Carter and Thayer Thomas, you know, are going to have more opportunities because of Mecca's production that we lost. You're going to see some guys that, if you watched our spring game, made some plays. Uh, and Anthony Smith, who's the fastest player on our team, and Keon Lassane, who has waited his turn, that was really dynamic with the ball. So, you know, there's going to have to be some new guys step up in our tight end room. We'll probably take some of those catches as well. I think Chris Toodle and Trent Penix are our matchup issues at tight end. 
Can't wait to see it, Coach. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've said time and time again, it seems like for at least a year, uh, that you guys are just the most complete team in all three phases. I mean, everywhere that I look at it, there's there's not really a weakness. And so I think to be able to capitalize that, to be able to do it this year and kick that door down is just going to be is the next step. How would you say at the end of the year, if we're looking at NC State, and a potential playoff berth, which we don't just say that to anybody. I mean, there's very few teams that I think get categorized that in the preseason. If, if NC State gets to that point, what will have happened leading up to that? In, in your opinion, if we do one, two, three, we're making the playoff. And I know, you know, winning the Atlantic, I know all that, but just kind of, you know, from, from a coach's perspective. Well, it starts with us not beating ourselves. You know, I think we, we've got to be one of those teams that doesn't turn the football over, that, like last year, you know, very positive turnover margin as a football roster. We have to stay healthy, Eric. You know, I mean, I need to be able to coach the talent that I have on my team. And, and I think that's critical. And you know, we had seven starters out on defense at the end of the year and still finished in the you know top three in almost every defensive category. Um, so the health, like every championship team you see, just has that year where they stay pretty healthy. And we need to be one of those teams. We haven't had that here in a while. You know, I think those are the top two things more than anything. Um, we're going to have to play well on the road. You know, I think we've played well at home, um, but we go to Clemson, as you know. Uh, we go to Louisville. Uh, we've got some road matchups that we've got to come out on top to be where we want to be. No question about it. Coach, this was so much fun. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good luck this season. Can't wait to watch you guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. You guys have a great summer, and hopefully – Get out and fish a little bit, Eric and Kelly. <laughs> don't be mean to your husband because he's a fisherman. Now. He's going to oh, come no, back a better man it. every time. Thanks again to Dave Doran for taking some time to hang out with us and tell us his fishing stories, Mac. Uh, that was one thing that we enjoyed talking about with these coaches. We'd ask them at the beginning, you know, how's your summer? Do you do anything for fun? And most of them say, no, I just do football all the time. But Dave Doran actually had some good off-the-field stories, so we salute him for that. That's right. We're, we're very appreciative, and now we just need to get you, or excuse me, Nick and Coach yeah. on the same fishing trip. I mean, let's go. A couple of anglers oh going gosh. out there, pulling some fish, and then I'll cook them on the Traeger. So. Let's uh, let's make that happen. But it was great talking with Coach. I mean, you know, I love every interaction that I have with him. And, you know, it's funny, KG, to see our you know, relationship and, and how it's grown. If you guys watch the, um, the, the, the NC State road trip tour after practice, mm-hmm. you didn't see this. This was kind of off TV. He was saying. I saw it, though. You did. You did see it. Uh, oh, I thought was, you meant your the up-downs you had to do. That's what I'm talking about. That wasn't on TV. That was okay. top secret. That was social media. Um so he, he comes up to me before practice and is like, hey, I think we're going to end practice with you catching a punt. And I was like, what? It's like, I'm wearing <laughs> Jordans, man. I'm not running after a punt. I was like, whatever you want, coach. I'll do it because I love you. And that's the only reason. And he uh, you know, goes, and I think we forget about it. I think I'm in the clear. And then all of a sudden I hear, where's Eric McLean? Where's Eric? And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm across the field. I got to run like 600 yards to get to him. Not really. It wasn't that far. Um, and then he's like rallies the troops and he goes, if Eric catches this, we all got up downs. And I'm like, wait, isn't it reverse? If I catch it, there is no punishment, but he knew that I wasn't going to catch it. So he goes, and if he drops it, you got up downs and points right at me. I'm like, dude, 
I'm not doing up downs. This is crazy. Uh. So anyway, I back up. It's not a punt. Devin Leary throws it to the stratosphere. Like it catches fire as it's coming back down to earth. And he throws it so high. So I'm in these Jordans. I like kind of yog. It wasn't a jog. It wasn't a walk. I kind of yog and I'm like looking up at the ball. <laughs> and so for those that remember, the day before, Kelsey Riggs got hit right in the face with a snap. Oh, I man, Kels. did yeah. not want to get hit right in the face with a ball that was on fire coming back down to earth. So I, like, stop, <laughs> extend my arms out, and it goes straight through my hands. I was so embarrassed. And he, like, he makes me do the up-downs. I do the up-downs in front of the team. Got mm. a lot of street cred. I put creases in my shoes, so I'm going to send him a bill, you know, to fix that. And uh, anyway, it's, it's a great relationship. He came up and said, man, I respect <laughs> you so much. That was really cool. And uh, yeah, it's always great talking with Coach Dorn. That was a little bit of a left turn there. Sorry. I love that you're sending a bill because yeah. the shoes need, they're ruined, right? I got damaged. Okay. Yeah. I have two quick questions for you. Okay. Is catching a punt one of the harder things to do in football? Yes. A punt or a kickoff. And imagine this though, mm-hmm. doing it on air in front of nobody. Okay. That's already difficult. People now, are running at you. Put people trying to kill you on the field <laughs> like that. I couldn't imagine that pressure and especially the environment, the crowd. And you're just looking up and you're praying that someone blocks for you and that you can return this punt. <laughs> okay, good. Good answer. Question one. Yes. Question two. Why do you hate Kelsey Riggs? Because she was hit in the face and you didn't care. You said, she's good. For all we know, her nose could have been broken. Okay, I'm glad you asked this. I'm glad I have an opportunity here to, to lay out the facts. Um, first and foremost, I, I am a former football player. You're a basketball player. Kelsey's a soccer player. Jordan Cornette is a basketball player. This concept is hard if you have never been on a football field to understand. You could break your leg in half in practice, and you know what the words you're going to hear are? Not are you okay, not comforting. We're going to say, move the drill up five yards. We're going to keep going. So that's the mindset that I have. And so I'm like, Kelsey's good. We're going to keep going. The second point of this is I did not know that she got hit in the face. I just thought she dropped the ball. So afterwards, once we did it, uh, you know, Kelsey's like, oh, my gosh, they hit me in the face. Look, my lip is bleeding. I was like, what? Oh my gosh, I feel so bad. We watch it back and literally just see her, bam, just get smacked right in the face. Boom. We felt so bad, but it was it was hilarious. So Kelsey, I'm sorry, but she's a good team player. She, she rolled with it. <laughs> Kelsey's tough. Okay, I'm glad you cleared that up, Mac. Yeah. That's very that's very good. And it's nice to hear, you know, you break a leg, we're just going to move, right. yeah, we're move just the drill at five going. yards, whatever. Keep going. Like basketball, the whole okay. gym shuts down, right? Like if your teammates got hurt, what happened? Well, yeah. Yeah. See, Most of the time. We don't care. We keep going. <laughs> yeah, you guys are rude. Okay, let's talk some going. NC State here. Let's talk some NC State. And uh, for all those side stories here, let's let's get into the Wolf Pack. NC State finished 9-3 and three last year, 6-2 and two in the ACC. Didn't get to play in the Holiday Bowl because UCLA pulled out, whatever you want to call it. So in many ways, I would say, Mac, this is the most hyped NC State team going into a season in recent memory. They're 13th in the preseason poll that just came out. They have that chip on their shoulder. shoulder. Dave Doran said, I want to find exactly what he said, this team is bitter and angry and wants to prove themselves. They're getting playoff buzz. Devin Leary is the ACC preseason player of the year. Mac, did you feel that hype when you were in Raleigh at practice? 
You know what? I, I felt a, a different level of confidence. I felt a different mm. level of we, we're this team. And it really starts with Devin. Like we interviewed him. We did a little pre-tease with him. And, you know, like a year ago, I don't think he would have done that. I think he would have been like nervous or just didn't want to, didn't think that he was the guy, something like that. And he just had this, Yeah, it's not cockiness. It's not overconfident. It's just he knows he's the guy. And I think that spreads to the whole team and, and just the way they handle business. They're so old and, and so experienced on the offense and defensive side of the ball. I mean, they have so many six-year guys running around, fifth-year guys running around, and they just they know how to practice. They, they know how to take care of each other. They know how to go about this thing they've done it so much. And all by the while, they're really good. They have really good players, you know, sprinkled all throughout this roster. So, to me, KG, there was this different level. There was this understanding that we have a very real, very big opportunity in front of us. Can we go out and capture it and take care of business and do what we need to do? More of a focus, a, a focus, yeah. but also a confidence is what I think we've seen with NC State and Dave Doran. I think that was reflected in his interview with us. When we talk about the offense, we all know what to expect from Devin Leary. He's so consistent. He right. doesn't turn the ball over. You return Thayer Thomas. You return Devin Carter at the wide receiver spot. You are going to miss Emeka Mezzi. You are going to miss Zonovan Knight. I would say from outside looking and having not been at practice, Mac, to me the biggest player you're going to miss is Iki Aquanu, who was a you know first-round pick for a reason. What did you see O-line-wise? Because that's my other big question with NC State, and it was my question all last year. They struggled at times to run the ball, 13th in the ACC in rushing yards, only 126 per game. Is the, And you lose Zonovan Knight. So will there be more of an emphasis on that? Are they going to be more of a just, hey, we're going to pass the ball first, which is kind of what they right. did last year? What did you see in that whole realm? Yeah, you know, I, I think there is reason to be optimistic. Number one, just because that's what NC State's been really good at, right, is offensive line development. They've brought guys in that are two-star, three-star guys, and they've turned them into first-round draft picks. And it's been impressive to see uh, the, the lineage, the the – reputation that they've been building and, and that Coach Garrison and this staff, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, looking at the offensive line specifically, have been able to do. So I don't think there's there's a big concern. Obviously, you can't just replace Big Icky. Like, he, he's that good. But I think as a unit, it can help galvanize you. I, I think as a leader, you know, Big Grant Gibson can bring everybody in and say, hey, we've got some doubters. We, we, we got to prove some people wrong. Let's come together and really do this. So I think the pieces are there, and I think guys will – Certainly, step up to do that. In regards to the to the look of the offense, KG, and and when I see, you know, the, the running attack wasn't great a year ago. I just don't see them forcing the issue this year. Now, you want to be balanced, and and you want to not be a one dimensional football team. But I, I've got the best quarterback in the league. Like I'm going to let him spin right. it. I'm going to let him throw the ball. Right. And so I would not be shocked at all if we see NC State you know, throwing the ball 35, 45 times a game. I mean, he, he's that good. And he, and he will have, you know, the ability in the offense. I heard him say this. A lot of times I speculate and think about that. Uh, a guy going into year three or four has this ability, but he said, look, I can get us out of search, certain situations. I can get us into good situations by audibling or, or checking the play or changing the, the direction in which we run. And so that's what I think is going to be exciting. Seeing this next step for him and as an offense that's going into year three with the same guy at quarterback, the same offensive coordinator, and same system, 
this should be the final form of it. And just what does that look like? So I think there's a lot to be excited for. Wide receiver, you you mentioned those two that I think are going to step up and really, you know, be role players that take that next step to superstardom. And and can Devin Carter be the guy that, you know, is is mm-hmm. going for double digit touchdowns? Can he get, go over a thousand yards? I think certainly he has that ability and Thayer Thomas, you know, to be more than just that security blanket to, to be in the, you know, 60, 70 receptions would be a great spot for him. The bottom line is this is Devin Leary's show. Yes. And so maybe you don't need to run the ball for more than 130 yards per game because look, they had a lot of success last year and they didn't. So all of it's going to, a lot of it's going to come down to Devin Leary. What's so funny about this team, Mac, is that the defense, there's not much for us to say besides everybody's back. This defense is going to be spicy. It's going to be so good. And they just have to stay healthy. I, I think this is the best linebacking core in the country. We talked about that with Dave Dorn. I looked this up, Mac. They have a combined, I'm talking Drake Thomas, Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore. They have a combined 80 starts between them and 100 games played between them at the linebacker spot. That That is really impressive. That's a lot of ball. That's a lot of football. And That's a lot of, you, lot of ball. <laughs> I think when, when you look at even what Drake had to do a year ago, uh, that sped him up to, to a guy that you know ha- had to play all the positions, right? Like he, he's a guy that started in the middle and then kind of he and Isaiah, whatever, battling it out. Isaiah really takes leaps and bounds. Drake says, okay, well, I'll play outside. And so he does that for a year and a half. Then those guys get hurt. Now Drake moves back inside and has to be the alpha you know, for this team. Uh, th- those three, man, you said it. They're one of the best in the country. They're going to fight. I think it's Alabama, NC State fighting for that you know, mm. number one linebacker spot. And really, Will Anderson is the only reason that's even a discussion. But he's he's an edge. I mean, he's an edge, and he gets after the quarterback. So, but we lump him into that linebacker spot. So when I when I look at that, the the only only thing that I even say about this defense that is a concern is health. You have to stay healthy. Yeah, have to take care of your body. Those three. Just got to be there the entire season. If that's the case, I mean, I think a playoff is certainly in question, in, in play, not in not in question. I think that's certainly a a thing, you know, that that you can certainly do there. So, Corey Durden's back. He's up on that, you know, defensive line, really going to lead the way there. And then Tanner, Tanner Engel in the back with a handful of other guys. That that secondary is going to be for real, and, and it's it's going to be one of those things where we can beat you a lot of different ways. We can stop the run. We have playmakers in the back. That there's all this depth. Um, that has really accumulated over about a three-year period that now NC State's looking at maybe one of their best defenses ever. And the big if is health. And, and we're not just saying that. It's because these guys have had injury issues in the past. So that's, right. that's the big question there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at this schedule, Mac. The win total per Las Vegas is 8.5, 8.5. That seems low. That seems very low, okay? And when you look at this schedule – they do open at East Carolina, which I don't like. I don't think any NC State fan likes that, but you've got that. You've got a random Texas Tech coming to town there. So you can't afford to lose that. Right. Yeah, you can't afford to lose that random non-con like they did at Mississippi State last year, but that game was on the road. They, they've got the Clemson game October 1st. And then, interestingly, I do think their two crossover games are at least two big brands. You've got North Carolina and Virginia Tech, which – maybe harder than most other teams' crossover games. But when I look at this schedule, I see nine wins just right there. And if things go really well, I see 10, possibly 11. So this is this is one of the easier overs. 
Perhaps Vegas is just looking at NC State's history. That's sometimes when they're overhyped. They tend to underperform. Sometimes when they're right. underhyped, they overperform, that kind of thing. But this seems like an overmack. Yeah, I, I, I'm confident in it. But again, as you just mentioned, I, I don't have that history and knowledge of, of what NC State has done in the past when, when they have had that. You know, it's been really funny is it seems like the, the better I speak about the Wolfpack, the more messages I, I do receive of, because you just kind of calm down. You know, we, we, we don't want to be the right. UNC of last year. And I'm like, I don't think that's even yeah. possible that, that you can be that. But you, you never know with injury and what happens. But I think this is just a different team. E- even with the, the slight concern of starting with ECU and, and for people who might not know that history, you're scratching your head saying, what? That's not a hard game. I think NC State has lost the last two times they went there. So it, it's something that they've got to be on their, on their P's and Q's. They've got to be ready. And uh, I certainly think with Devin Leary, with those three star-studded linebackers, they just won't allow this team to think any game is easy. They won't allow this team to focus on anything else except for this Saturday, this game, this next thing that we're about to do. And I think that's what separates you. I think that's what helps you not be complacent. Not that you know NC State necessarily has been to this high, high level of being top 10 in the country or what that is, but... They're old enough to be able to handle that as it comes to you. And I think you kind of just skip over this possibility of being complacent or, or, or not understanding and knowing how to handle that moment. Yeah, the, the vets are there. And I do yeah. think beating Clemson last year was a big step yeah. for this team that gave them a ton, of, a ton of confidence and it broke that streak. So I don't see them dropping the game to East Carolina. I don't see them dropping the game to Texas Tech. But right. that is the question with NC State. Can you win the games? that you're supposed to win. That's what we need to see from NC State if they're going to have a truly special season. Yeah, and just keep getting after it. Keep understanding how to build that thing and just stay healthy. Everybody stay healthy. And I think that you're in in a solid spot. One guy that keeps us healthy and keeps us sounding healthy is Richmond Weaver, our producer. He does such a great job uh, every time with these episodes. If there's a little bit glitchy because internet I'm in and some abyss land, he's going to have to do some extra work here. Uh, But go check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports. Does an unbelievable job there. Have some really cool interviews and stories from anywhere you can think of in the sports world. Uh, Go check him out. But that's it from us. Another episode of Gramlick and McLean. Uh, Do yourself a favor. Go get SiriusXM. Download the app. Subscribe. Check them out. We can be with you in the car, on your phone, wherever you want. And then do us a favor. Go over to YouTube. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Download our show. Subscribe. Like. Love. Write us a little review. We'd always appreciate that, too. But until next time, we'll see y'all.